to talk to you about a faith that fights. A faith that fights. First off, in order to fight, you got to know who you're fighting. If you don't even know who you're fighting, then how are you going to fight? So let's look at a couple of scriptures. First Peter chapter 5, all of you know it. Don't assume, don't assume, how many of you have ever had a faith failure? Okay, so don't assume that you already know all of this. Because even as I was studying, I was thinking, oh, Lord, yeah, I forgot that. Oh, Lord, yeah, thank you for reminding me of that. Oh, Lord, yeah, thank you for allowing me to teach on this. Because it stirs you up again. So even if you know it, it's going to stir you back up again. Okay, so 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because what? So who's your adversary? The devil. That's who we're fighting. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Say, my adversary adversary is the devil. devil. Not God. Not my husband. Not my my wife. Not my my boss. boss. You understand? Your adversary is the devil. Whom resist steadfast. Now read that next part with me. In the faith. You have to resist the devil in what? Faith. You have to resist him in faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brothers. All around the world. Well, how could it be accomplished in your brothers around the world? Because they're not winning the faith fight. Brothers means Christian brothers and sisters. They're not winning the faith fight. So how are so many people not winning the faith fight? We want to find out tonight. So look with me at John 10.10. How many of you already know it? It's our More Life Ministries verse, whatever. You know, it's going at the bottom of our stationery. What do you call it? Yeah, whatever the word is. Yeah, you got it. Okay. It's all everything we got. Okay? I'll put it that way. John 10.10. For the thief. Well, who's the thief? The devil. devil. Comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Okay. So say you have an imaginary piece of paper right now, okay? Just think with me just a minute, okay? Don't look down. Don't think of do anything else. Just for a minute, stop and think. Okay, on the left-hand side of your imaginary piece of paper, write everything good that's going on in your life. Write it down if you want to. I don't care. But think of everything good that's going on in your life, okay? That's God. Do you understand that? That's God. Okay, now think of everything bad. Everything that's bad. No matter if it's big or if it's small, anything that is negative or bad or stealing or killing or destroying in your life. Put it on the right-hand side. Are you thinking? That's the devil. Now, which list is longer? 
Should be longer, but which list is really longer? Usually the right side. We want to erase that whole right side. We want to know how to get rid of that right side to where the devil's not able to steal, kill, and destroy from us all the time. So we're going to kind of find out some answers on it. Luke 13 says this. We're determining now who we're fighting. Don't forget that. Luke 13, 16 says this. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom who has bound? Whom Satan has bound. Lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. So sickness comes from where? Binding comes from where? Mental depression comes from where? Infirmities come from where? God's not putting sickness on you to teach you something. He's not putting it on you to make you more humble. He's not putting it on you to get you more pious or whatever you want to call it, any of those things. The devil is the one that puts sickness on people. So we should do what with that? Put it on that right side because it's bad. You understand that? Knowing all these things, let's read James 4, 7. We're going somewhere. Y'all still hooked, right? Okay. Now, don't shut me off on this verse. James 4, 7. The first word. Read it with me. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Now, everybody read that with me. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Then do what? Resist the devil. And he may flee from you. He will flee from you. Not maybe, not might, not possibly. He will flee from you. If you submit, therefore, to God and you resist the devil, what's going to happen? He will flee from you. Now, the reason I said don't turn me off is We've been around, and I've told you this before, my husband is the king of submission teaching to me because he's taught it forever. It was one of the very first things God dealt with it about. He taught it at Rhema year after year after year. He taught it to me, and I rebelled. Every time I heard the word, it was like, (laughs) because you don't understand it. But let me help you put it, you know me, I'm going to put it so natural that I think you're going to get it real easily. How many of you in here have ever got a tax return? Got money back on your taxes? I think most of the people in here has got some money back on their taxes in their lifetime. Okay? Do you know in order to get money back on your taxes, you had to submit? Do you understand that? In order to get what you wanted from the IRS, what did you have to do? You had to submit your W-2 form. You had to submit all the right paperwork. You had to submit it by a certain time and get it to the IRS. Now, why did you do that? You wanted the money. 
you wanted a result from the IRS. You wanted them to get you that check and to get it to you quickly. quickly. So you were willing to do whatever they required of you in order to get that check. You stayed up all night long for looking for those little tiny pieces of paper. Anything that you could find, you did everything that you could, went out of your way to do all these things, even though it was a pain to you to submit those documents Amen. to the IRS in exactly the way they required because you knew if you didn't, you were not getting that check. Right. Now, did that make you mad? Did you get bitter about that? No. Did you get mad at the IRS? I mean, a lot of people don't like the IRS, but when they're getting a check back, you like them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, those papers in themselves, they don't have any power whatsoever. Do you understand that? Where is the power? It's in the people back behind that you can't even see behind those papers. Now, what if you didn't get a return? Do you still have to submit those papers? Let me ask you this question. How many of you ever had to pay the IRS something? Same amount of hands. Did you have to submit to the IRS? Did you have to fill out all those papers? Did you have to do just exactly what they told you to do? In the way that they told you to do it. Why did you have to do that? Because you did not want to get devoured by the IRS. <laughs> Do you understand that? That is what submission is. It's doing what is necessary in order to get the results that you're looking for. People have made it and blown it into this horribly bad thing. God says if you will submit to God... Then you can resist the devil and he's going to flee. It's the same thing. How many of you have a driver's license? Did you have to go to the DMV and stand there and take a test and get in that car and drive and take a test? And then you had to take a picture, whether you wanted to or not, <laughs> and put it on that little card. You had to submit to them and do exactly what they told you to do. Now, why did you do that? Because you wanted to be able to drive on the road. Now, what if you had not done that? What if you had not done that and you're driving on the road and Mr. Policeman pulled you over? What's going to happen to you? What if he pulls you? Well, they pull you over five times. What's going to happen to you? Go to devour. Now, is it about that little card that you have? Is there power in that little card? There's absolutely no power in that little card. 
The power is in the people behind that little card that know that you have the ability to drive. They know that you have been trained in having the ability to drive this car. It's not about you just getting on the road and not having the ability to protect yourself and the others around you. So therefore, you don't get devoured. Do you understand what submission is now? You doing what needs to be done in order to get the results that you're needing to get. You don't always have to agree with them. You don't have to agree that you want to fill out all these IRS tax forms. But you better do it. You don't always have to agree that you want to go stand in line for two hours during your lunch hour and go to the DMV and get your license tag redone on your car. But guess what? You better do it. That's called submission. Have you ever gotten anything off the Internet? How many of you have ever bought anything on the Internet? Okay. Do you have to fill out every box just exactly right to submit that so it'll go through? Does it make you just furious because you have to do it? No, because it's something you want at the end of that. It's a mentality thing that the devil has tried to play on us. We live our lives in submission to someone or something. But the greatest one that we should be living in submission to is the Lord all the time. And it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Now let's talk about resist. What does resist mean? If you look up resist, if you've just pulled your phone out now and typed in resist, one of the very first words that's going to come up to you is fight. You're going to fight off whatever's attacking you. You're going to resist it. You're going to fight it off. Resist says... Struggle against someone or something. So let's say this. Say you're at home and a burglar tries to come into your house and he tries to steal something from you. What are you going to do? Okay, let's even make it more fun. All right? Say a burglar comes into your house and he tries to get one of your children. What are you going to do? Is there going to be a fight? Is there going to be a struggle? Could things get broke? Could you get tired? Could you get winded? Could it take a while? Could you have to resist? People think that resisting the devil is like picking up ripe cherries off of a tree. Resist means to fight. It means that there's a battle going on. It means that that you can't just expect something to fall on you. That's why there's so many things in the right-hand column on our papers. It's because things come up and we don't resist it. So when it happens, another thing's come up, another thing comes up, and another thing comes up. And we don't resist till we got 16 pages of right-hand column because we're not resisting. And then we get so run down from all the things that the devil's trying to put on us, we don't have any fight left in us. 
We have to resist and fight the devil to keep him away from us. The devil is the one that we're fighting. We have to be very clear that we're not fighting God and and spending all of our time laying in our bed at night praying, God, fix this for me, fix this for me, and using all of our energy doing that when we should be using our energy to do what? Resist the devil. Resist the devil. We have to use our energies on the right things. So look at this. And everybody in here knows most of these things, but maybe when we get closer to the end, you're going to understand it a little bit clearer tonight. Galatians 3.13. It says, Christ hath or has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Through what? Through what? Through faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse, but we have to use our faith to get everything that's been paid for for us. Let me read something to you. Some of you may remember it. Some of you may not. But it's in Brother Hagin's book, The Authority of the Believer. If you don't have that book, it's an awesome book to have. He says, In 1952, the Lord Jesus appeared to me in a vision and talked with me for about an hour and a half about the devil and demons and demon possession. At the end of the vision, an evil spirit looked like a little monkey or elf ran between Jesus and me and spread something like a smoke screen or a dark cloud. Then this little demon began jumping up and down and crying in a shrill voice, yakety yak, yakety yak, yakety yak. And I couldn't see Jesus or understand what he was saying. Through this entire experience, Jesus was teaching me something. And if you would be attentive, you'll find the answer here to many things that have troubled you. He's talking during this. I couldn't understand why Jesus allowed the demon to make such a racket. I wondered why Jesus didn't rebuke the demon so I could hear what he was saying. I waited a few moments. But Jesus didn't take any action against the demon. Jesus was still talking. But I couldn't understand a word he was saying. And I needed to hear it because he was giving me instructions concerning the devil, demons, and how to exercise authority. I thought to myself, doesn't the Lord know I'm not hearing what he's wanting me to hear? I need to hear it. I'm missing it. I almost panicked, but I became so desperate. I cried out in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit. I command you stop. The minute I said that, the little demon hit the floor like a bag of salt and said the black cloud disappeared. The demon laid there trembling, whimpering, and whining like a whipped pup. He wouldn't look at me. So I said, not only shut up, but get out of here in the name of Jesus. And I commanded him, and he ran off. The Lord knew exactly what was in my mind. I was thinking, why didn't he do something about that? Why did he permit it? Jesus looked at me and said, 
Now listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. If you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. That came as a real shock to me. It astounded me. I replied, Lord, I didn't hear you right. You said you wouldn't, didn't you? He replied, no. If you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. I went through this four times with him. He was emphatic about saying, no, I didn't say I wouldn't. I said I could not. I said, now, dear Lord, I just can't accept that. I never heard or preached anything like that in my life. I told the Lord I didn't care how many times I saw him in visions. He would have to prove this to me by the word. By at least two, by at least three scriptures out of the New Testament, because we're not living under the Old Covenant, we're living under the New Testament. Jesus smiled ever so sweetly and said he would give me four. I said, I've read the New Testament through 150 times and portions of it even more than that. And if it's in there, I don't know it. Jesus replied, son, there's a lot in there you don't know. You know, there's a lot we don't know. And if we just humble ourselves, we could learn a whole lot more. He continued, not one single time in the New Testament The church is ever told to pray that God the Father or Jesus would do anything against the devil. In fact, to do so is to waste your time. The believer is told to do something about the devil. The reason is because you have the authority to do it. The church is not to pray to God the Father about the devil. The church is to exercise the authority that belongs to it. The New Testament tells the believers to do something about the devil. The least member, listen to this, the least member of the body of Christ has just as much power over the devil as anyone else. Unless believers do something about the devil, nothing will be done in a lot of areas. We're almost done. Let me read you what he told him, the verses that he told him. He said, first of all, I arose from the dead, I said. All power and authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. This is Matthew 28, 18. The word power means authority. But I immediately delegated my power to the earth and to the church. And I can work only through the church, for I am the head of the church. So that's one. The second reference he gave me was Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth is baptized and shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover." Then he said, the very first sign mentioned as following any believer, not a pastor, not an evangelist, is that they shall cast out devils. Then the last one, he says, is in Colossians 1.13. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? One translation says, the Father has delivered us 
from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And again, the Greek word here means authority. So he has given all of that to us, the church. And I'm going to read you some more verses on it. We're going to go on from there. Listen to this right here. Luke 10, 19. And you might want to mark this in your Bible. And it's like what he used to say. If you can't mark in your Bible, buy one that you can mark in. This is Jesus talking. It's red letters. And I'd say if you don't have a Bible that has red letters with Jesus talking, how are you going to know that they trump all the other stuff? Luke 10. It says, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. But verse 20 is what I want you to get. Nothing notwithstanding in this Rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you. Now, he's saying this like this is not a big deal that the spirits are subject to you. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So in his mind's eye, it's not a big deal that spirits are subject to us. That's just ho-hum. Yeah, the spirits are subject to you. But Jesus himself said, you see it there, mark it in big letters. Verse 20. The spirits are subject unto you. Mark it, scratch through it, put me right there. The devil is subject to me. me. He's subject to me. Now, a lot of people think this. Jesus bought and paid for our healing. Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. These things are done. We just should walk in it. We should never have to do anything about that because it's ours. We should just say, Jesus already did that. I'm healed. Then why are so many people being devoured if that's the case? Look with me at this verse, James 5. Verse 14, is there any sick among you? Now, is James talking to the church? So he's asking them, is there anybody sick in the church? Okay. Anybody sick in the church? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the what? The prayer of faith. The prayer of what? Faith. It's already been done. But we still have to release our faith to receive it. Salvation is already done. But we still have to release our faith to receive it. When Jesus was in the garden... In the wilderness, being tempted himself. Did he just walk away from the devil and ignore the fact that the devil was there and tempting him with things? No. What did he do? He quoted the word. He quoted the word to him. He talked to him. He told him. And even still with Peter, when Peter was yielding to the devil, what did he tell him? 
Get behind me, Satan. We still have to exercise our authority over the devil continuously or he will just plow us down like a bulldozer. So every day, every single day in our lives, say that with me, every day, day. when things happen, happen. this is what I need to do. I need to see if it's God God or the devil. devil. If it's God, God, I need to thank him. him. If it's the devil, devil. I need to rebuke him him. and resist him. Do you understand that? You don't just ignore it and think it'll go away. Okay, you know me. How many times have you heard Keith say, when something breaks down, you're going to cross Phyllis when something breaks down, she's all over that devil. She says, no, I rebuke the devourer because our ties, we've sown our ties. I don't just keep my mouth shut. Because I know I have to exercise my authority over him or he will continue to rule and reign in my life. Sometimes he's deaf too. So I have to yell it really loud. But you know what? What makes that work for me? Faith, but back it up just a little bit. Submit to God. What part of submitting to God do I have to do in order to rebuke the devourer when something breaks? I have to tithe. Do you understand that? In order for me to be able to rebuke the devourer when my refrigerator breaks, Dan's sitting right there. Dan, did it happen? My refrigerator broke. What did I do? And what happened? And how many times has this happened with that very same refrigerator? Several. Several. And it's still running. Not because I'm so good, but because I have this great big huge authority behind me. Not because of that card I carry as a driver's license. Not because I belong to this church. But because there is this great big authority called the name of Jesus that is behind me. And when I say I rebuke you, devil, you can't have my stuff because I'm a tither. I know. I know I can just almost feel it. This great big huge angel stands up behind me and says, Get out of here, devil. Because... When things happen in our lives, we need to quit. The very first thing that happens in our life is looking to the natural. Immediately, when a refrigerator bags, first thing people think is, call the repairman. we got to get out of this natural. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're of another world. And spiritual things work for us. We have to use our spiritual things. If the devil is coming into your place and he is, say your family, somebody's stealing from you at work, somebody's stealing your money, 
Are you just going to stand there and let that happen? You're going to get mad at them and you're going to file a lawsuit against them. Because that's the natural thing to do. You're going to go to your boss and jump on him because he didn't give you all the money he owed you and all the back pay he owed you when he fired you. No, that's the natural thing to do. If we live in this natural world like all the world lives in, we're going to get all the results that the world gets. But God gave us a higher thing. He said if we submit to him and we resist the devil, all these things will change in our lives. Let's continue going and I'll get back to that stuff. It says we have to use our faith. These people are are using their energy dealing with repairmen, spending their money on their refrigerator, dealing with courts and lawyers, spending money trying to get their money back, using all their energy, fighting those things when they should be fighting the devil. You'll understand why more in just a few minutes. So the next point is, first one was, who do we fight? The devil. 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 Everybody's clear on that, right? Right? Number two, how do we fight? Number two, we hadn't got to it. So, 1 Timothy 6. You all know it. We'll just read the first little front part. Fight the good fight of Faith. faith. We fight in faith. And you'll understand what I was just talking about when we read these verses. Ephesians 6, 12. For we wrestle not. We, say me. me. I wrestle not. not. Against flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. And against spiritual wickedness in high places. What is the natural thing to do when something happens? Natural things. But are you a spirit being? Are you a natural being? So what should be our first natural response? Spiritual. Spiritual. 2 Corinthians 10.3. You're going to get it here in just a second. It's going to snap off in your head. 2 Corinthians 10.3 For we walk not after the flesh. We do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ or God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The New Living says, teaching our thoughts to obey Christ. And that's where we have to start. Number two is how do we fight? We teach our thoughts to obey Christ. We have to teach our thoughts to respond spiritually Instead of naturally. How many of you ever potty trained a two-year-old? Okay, that wasn't that many hands. Okay, how many of you ever trained a dog? Much more hands. Okay. Let me ask you a question. 
Did you have to do it more than one time? Did you have to do it more than two times? Did you have to do it more than three times? Did you have to do it more than four times? Did you have to clean up your carpet more than five times? Huh? Did you have to clean up your carpet more than 25 times? Do you understand my point? When you are training something, what do you have to do? Do you think that you're going to get it the very first time? It said train it, your mind, your thoughts to obey Christ. So when a situation happens in your life and your refrigerator breaks or a family member tries to steal money from you or your boss tries to steal something from you or somebody does something to you and your natural tendency is to do what? Call a repairman. Fight back naturally. Go get a lawyer. What do you have to do? Train your thought to back up and say, nope, what do I do spiritually? Spiritually. I'm a spirit being. I am not a natural being. If I want natural results, I'm going to do it the way everybody else does it. But I don't want natural results. Ladies, if you don't want to keep that refrigerator, that's okay. Understand that. You may want a new refrigerator and it broke. That's okay. But believe God, get that one fixed, then give it away. Do you understand? Brother Hagin used to tell people that he was praying for. He'd say uh, they they were older and they were sick and they were dying. And and he'd say, that's okay, I understand. You're dying. You want to go home. Just let me die, Brother Hagin, he'd say. And he'd say, okay, I'll let you die, but get healed first. Then you can die if you want to. Do you understand? Keith will come in sometimes and he'll have a tie. Or he'll have a shirt. And he'll say, Phil, I think I ruined this one. I think I did it. Now, you think I'm extreme in this, but that's okay. I know I have to learn how to do this. Because there'll come a time when it ain't going to be a tie or a shirt. You understand? And he'll say, I think, I think this one's beyond what you can do. And I'll say, oh, no. The devil don't get nothing of mine. Nothing. He gets nothing. I don't care if it costs a dollar or two dollars. You know the little plastic things that you put in a shirt, uh, collar stays? Yeah. We iron them. We don't waste nothing. Then if I want to give them away, I'll give them away. Nothing gets ruined and devoured by the devil at my house. If I want to throw it away after I fix it or the Lord fixes it, I'll throw it away or I'll give it away. But I want to be able to learn and believe God. I'll, the whole time I'm working on a stain, I'll stand there and say, nope, devil, you're rebuked, you're rebuked. The devourer is rebuked. I have sown my tithes. I have sown. I have given. We give. Keith gives. This is his tie. You're rebuked. You can't have my stuff. Then if I want to give that tie away or he wants to give that tie away, great, give the thing away. But I learned how to rebuke the devourer on that tie to where when it's something bigger, maybe it's a big component on our TV stuff that we don't have the money in the church to be able to believe God to have a new TV component for next week. And we need it for the church. Do you understand that? 
And the guys will get mad at me sometimes. I'll say, did it, who rebuked the devourer? Who did it? Because you have to take authority over the devil. You don't let him steal from you. You let him have nothing of yours. Absolutely nothing of yours. Because if he he's like the worst person you ever thought of about the inch and the mile. If you give him an inch, he's going to take 16 miles. Because he knows you're not going to resist him. So practice on things. So that say it's something you don't you know you don't need. That's the perfect time to get practiced up. Make sense to you? Okay, well, let's keep going then. Train yourself in every situation. You may forget it, just like the little dog or just like the little child forgot that they were supposed to go to the potty or the little dog forgot it was supposed to go outside on the grass and it went on your carpet. You do it again and you do it again. And you, if you have to, put yourself some notes up. If you have to, put a reminder in your phone so that the alarm goes off and say, train myself, think spiritual. Train myself, think spiritual. Train myself, think spiritual. So when a situation arises, you know if it's good, you immediately begin to thank God. Thank you, Lord, for taking care of that for me. Immediately. And if it's bad, no, devil, you can't have that. No, I resist you. You're not getting that from me. No, out of here. Go. You understand it? One or two. Okay? So here's what we're going to talk about some of these things. Ephesians 4.22. And I want you to notice where it says you. These are some of the things that he told us to do that we haven't even been doing. We. You know I said we. It says that we put off the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And we be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And we put on the new man, which is after God created in righteousness and true holiness. The Amplified says it this way. We strip ourselves of our former nature. We put off and we discard our old unrenewed self, which is characterized by our previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through the lust and desires that spring from delusion and constantly renew, constantly renew the spirit of our mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. And we put on the new nature, the regenerate self, created in God's image, in God's likeness, in true righteousness and holiness. Now back to the King James. Wherefore, put away lying and speak every man the truth to his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now this is where it's talking about we have to put on the new man. But we be angry and sin not. This is where we're thinking. We be spiritual. We don't act according to the flesh. Because if it's bad, who is it? Why would we even get angry? No, you're not getting it. Why would you get angry? Because someone is stealing or killing or destroying or taking something from you or saying something bad about you. It's killing your joy. It's killing. It's the devil doing these things. 
So we're not going to wrestle against the people that are doing it. It's the devil that's motivating them to do it. Do you understand that? So why fight with them when all we need to do is take authority over the devil? I'm not going to get mad. They don't even know what they're doing. I take authority over you in this situation. Just say it in the back of your mind. You're not going to use them to get me upset. Do you understand it? If it's stealing or killing or destroying, you take authority over the thing that's behind it. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against what's going on behind. We are spiritual beings. Quit looking at this flesh. Quit looking at that refrigerator. Look at the things behind it. Just because we're living in this natural world, we don't have to put up with all the things that most people do. We get to call on the great authority that's standing behind us. The name of Jesus. Why get mad at them when they themselves don't even know why they're doing it? They're just yielding. Did Peter know why he was saying what he did? Did Jesus deal with Peter? No, he dealt with the spirit that was behind Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He didn't even say anything to Peter. And Peter was the one talking. So under your breath, somebody's being mean to you and being ugly to you and saying all this stuff, you might just say, get behind me, devil. And you'll actually begin to see changes instead of putting up with the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because you're dealing with the actual root of it, the cause of it. Do you understand that? Okay? In Matthew, he gives us something. Well, no, let's finish here. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. And in verse 27, it says, Neither give place to the devil. All these things that he's talking about is us yielding to him instead of resisting him. And we've got to decide if it's stealing or killing or destroying. We don't want to yield to that. We want to put on the new man and we want to say, no, no, no. I'm resisting that. Say, I'm resisting that. that. Anything Anything that steals, steals, kills, kills, or destroys. destroys. Say it like you mean it. I resist it. In Jesus' name. Okay, look at something else you're supposed to resist. Matthew 14. While we're doing these, I'll help you out. Straightway, 14:27. Straightway Jesus spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. You're supposed to put away fear. Resist fear. Resist it. Okay, the next thing. I want to talk about, now that we know how we're supposed to do it, we're supposed to retrain ourselves to yield to the Spirit instead of to the flesh. Got that, right? We fight the devil. We retrain ourselves. Okay? The next one that we're going to talk about is when do we fight? And this one is going to surprise you. This is why so many people have so much on that right side. The answer is only when you can win. 
Brother Hagin used to tell us all the time. He'd say, I grew up on healing. I studied healing all my life. Say, I'd be out on the road. Miss Aretha would call me and say, this is happening to Ken, or this is happening to Pat. And he said, I could quote, probably y'all can help me with it, three quarters of the New Testament. So he knew every one of the healing scriptures by heart. He could quote them. But he wouldn't just pick up the phone and call and say, put them on the line, let me pray with them, and release my faith. He said, I would always get scriptures to stand on and build up my faith before I released my faith about that situation. Now, this is Brother Hagin, the one that taught us faith, the one that the Lord commissioned to teach his people faith, the one that I think probably knew more about healing faith than most people that got off the bed, you know, that they pronounced dead. He weighed two pounds and they were ta- she was taking him out to the garden to bury him because he was dead. He says he always got scriptures on healing and read them for a couple of days before he released his faith. And he said, there was never a time that they didn't get healed. I think people are too quick to pray. I think people are too quick to do what they think is releasing their faith, and all it is is saying some words. So all that happens then is they have what I call a faith failure and then they get intimidated and get in fear about believing God for anything else. I know. I did it. I was around faith every single day. I was in faith seminars with Brother Hagen. My husband taught healing school day after day after day. I'd go to some of the healing classes. We'd travel on the weekends. Keith would teach healing. Brother Hagen would teach healing. Brother Hagen would teach faith. Keith would teach faith. He'd teach it on the weekends. We'd have services all day on Saturday. We'd go to church on Sunday. I was getting fed it all the time or hearing it. But do you know that there's a difference between hearing something and really receiving something and acting on something? Just because you hear things doesn't mean they get in your spirit. Doesn't mean you actually receive them. I know. I did it. I sat in those services most of the time on the front row. And heard it. Then I got a great big lump in my left breast. And I tried my best to believe God for it to go away. I quoted all the healing scriptures. I prayed. And the pain got worse and worse and worse. I knew all the healing scriptures. I could say them. I could quote them. I had heard them for year after year after year. But do you know faith doesn't come by osmosis? Or by being related to someone that has faith? Or being around people of faith? Or saying the right words? Faith comes 
by hearing the word yourself for yourself and believing it when you hear it. So I finally had to go to Keith with my tail tucked between my legs, have him pray for me, somebody that really did believe that it worked, and it went away instantly. Glory to God. And I learned then, then and there, that I had to begin to get in the Word for myself. It wasn't good enough to be in all the services. It wasn't good enough to hear him teach it. It wasn't good enough to hear Brother Hagin teach it. I had to get in that Bible for myself and spend time with the Lord for myself and feed on this Word and have a personal relationship with the Lord for myself. Just being around stuff, just hearing people talk about stuff does not feed your faith. You spending time with the Lord one-on-one and talking to Him and exercising your faith and hearing from Him feeds your faith. Listen to this next part. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater, or the Amplified says, mightier is He that's in you than he that's in the world. Like I said, I had seen things happen and had a faith failure. We had you raise your hands. How many had had a faith failure? Everybody in here just about it. Raise their hand. I'm about to tell you why. Look at John 12, verse 38. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart and be converted, and I should heal them. Well, that's a little bit confusing, so let me read it to you from the Amplified and listen intently. Just don't, they'll put it up there on the screen, but listen to what it says. And my story will probably help you with it. Even though he had done so many miracles before them, right before their eyes, yet... They still did not trust him and failed to believe him in him. So that when Isaiah the prophet said, it's fulfilled. Lord, who hath believed our report and our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord, the power of the Lord been shown? Unveiled or revealed. Therefore, they could not believe. They were unable to believe, for Isaiah has said to them, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts and benumbled their, or calloused their, and degenerated their hearts. He has made their minds dull to keep them from seeing with their eyes and understanding with their hearts and minds and repenting and turning to me to heal them. 
just because you're sitting here week after week, just because you hear people say things, doesn't mean you are believing them. You have to choose to believe it for yourself. Just because Brother Keith believes it doesn't mean you believe it and act on it. Just because I rebuke the devourer over my refrigerator and it seems like a good thing to do for you, it's not going to work for you unless you believe it. Just because I said I did it and it worked for me, it will not work for you unless you believe it. That's why Brother Hagen said he'd get scripture verses to help build his faith. You have to believe what you're acting on. You have to believe when you have somebody pray for you that this is really going to work. You have to believe when you rebuke the devourer for stealing from you, this is going to stop. You have to believe that there's a force behind you that's greater than you and bigger than you. And you may be the smallest thing on the planet, but you don't have to be very big. There is this great, big, huge, enormous power behind you that takes care of it for you. You can't do it by yourself. You've never been expected to do it by yourself. But you have to believe the one that's in you and the one that gave it to you, that he said it. He said, by his stripes you were But you have to believe it. You have to believe that when you tithe, that the devourer is rebuked. Brother Hagen was teaching on some of this stuff. Teaching on probably devils, demons, evil spirits. Again, I'm sitting there. Keith's getting fed the word, going to Bible school, getting all this in him, learning how to deal with these spirits, teaching in healing school, starting out small. All these things are happening. I'm hearing it. I'm trying it. Not believing it. I was raised, you know how I was raised. I didn't have all the background of it. I shouldn't have been trying anything until I had a foundation to where I spent time in that word to where it was greater to me than my own name. And it can become that way to you. So one day, I was at work. And this lady came in. She had to be 80 years old. She was walking with a cane. I felt sorry for her. Being as unspiritual as I was, I didn't recognize that there was a problem there. Well, my boss was very spiritual. He'd been around this stuff for a lot longer than I had, been filled with the Spirit for decades. And I asked him, I said, "Um, can we help her? Can we work on her? He said, I don't think it's a good idea. I said, but she really acts like she's hurting. Can't we do it? He said, if you want to do it, do it. You know, I'd been working for him for years and years and years. He said, if you want to do it, do it. So I went in there and I x-rayed her. He worked on her. The next day she comes in and she wants her colored x-rays. Is there such a thing as a colored x-ray? Anybody in this world ever seen a colored x-ray? 
Well, she got furious. It was our busiest time of the day. I bet we probably had 100 patients in there at that time. There were people everywhere. She was screaming. She was yelling. She was beating that counter with her cane. So me trying to not cause a scene with this lady, I was the office manager. I was trying to calm her down. I took her right outside the door. Bad move. She proceeded to beat the pudding out of me with that cane. Now, I knew nothing about casting out devils. I had heard Brother Hagen say he had done it. But I knew that's what it was. But I had no faith to do it. So I was yelling at that devil, come out of her, come out of her. And she proceeded to beat the pudding out of me. <laughs> and all I could think about was Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? <laughs> just because you know the right words to something and just because you've heard it over and over and over again doesn't mean you have a foundation. If you're going to believe for healing, get in that book. Find out about healing. Study healing scriptures. Get them rolling over in your... I mean, study them, know them like you know your name. If you're going to believe for finances, get you some financial scriptures. Get them rolling over and you know them like you know your name. Go back and forward over them before you release your faith. Because elsewise, the devil is going to beat you with a cane. Literally, he's going to. I would rather have that physical beating than what the devil does to you because he takes all your confidence away. And you don't want to believe him ever again. At least a physical beating you can get over. But a beating with your confidence, I mean, it steals from you. And you can go years and years and years and never want to believe for healing again or never want to believe for finances again because you think it don't work. But it does work. But see, that's what happens. He blinds their eyes after that. And he confuses them after that. And he tells them, this doesn't work. You tried it, it doesn't work. But it does work. They just weren't ready to do it. Whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe your report that you tried it like me? At least I wasn't dumb enough to believe that dealing with devils didn't work. I was open enough to go home and tell Keith about it. And he says, Phil, you've got no foundation for that, no background for that. You don't know anything about it. Can you quote me one scripture about it? No. You ought to be thankful. Be thanking God right now you're not hurt worse than you are. Well, that's what happens to us. He blinds our eyes after that to where we don't even want to stand anymore to believe for things. Let's back up. Before you get in the ring with the devil to fight, you got to know you can win. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever told you that or not, but you need to know you can win. You need to have your foundation. You need to be solid. You don't need to be basing it on that I can win. You need to know that you can win. And you can have that confidence. I know. Because after that, other things happened in my life. And I could stand and believe God for healing. Because I got my own foundation. And there have been times after that that I did cast the devil out of people. 
And he went and played. But it was after I began to spend time with the Lord and put those things in my life to practice. Not Keith's understanding of it, but my own understanding of it. My own foundation of it. So number four, when do you fight? When you know you can win. When you know you can win. Number four, why do we fight? We know again, Timothy said, fight the good fight of faith. But listen to what the weast says on that. While they're getting up the weast. Have you ever seen a prize fighter? Who's the best boxer fighter? They just had a fight not long ago. Who is it? I'm not a... Okay, say Floyd Mayweather, okay? He's supposed to be probably one of the best fighters, okay? I remember the fight was going on. Okay, listen to this just for a second and see if it doesn't ring a bell with you. In order for him to get where he is, did he have to fight? How many times? He had to fight the young guys when nobody could fight. Then he got a little better and he fought somebody that could fight a little better. Then he got a little better and he had to fight somebody that could fight a little better. Then he got a little better and every time he fought, what happened to him? He got better. And every time he fought, people looked up to him because they said, he's, he's a good fighter. And every time he fought, they said, look at him. He's a fighter. And every time he fought, he got his technique better. Every time he fought, did he get hurt probably? Did he grow in the technique of fighting? Did he get stronger? Did he get more settled in the way he wanted to do it? Do you know he couldn't be the number one fighter unless he fought a bunch of people on his way up? You would have no respect for him unless he'd beaten the other person that was pretty good. If they put somebody in the ring with him that was just starting fighting, would that make you think he's a very good fighter because he beat him? No. Say they put some 12-year-old in with him that's never fought before. And he beat the pudding out of him. Would you think he's a good fighter? Would that make you think he's a good fighter? What does it take to make you think he's a good fighter? To beat a good fighter. That's what happens with us. Look at the Weiss translation. You see it up there. It says, be constantly engaging in the contest of faith, which contest is marked by the beauty of technique. Do you know you can learn the way the devil works? You can begin to recognize things he's doing. You can begin to see this is the devil. I'm not getting any part of that. I rebuke you. I'm not dealing with that. Nope, we're done with that. And you can begin to just step over things that the devil used to throw at you and win battles one after the other after the other. But I would not want to get in the ring with Floyd Mayweather today. Because I know I couldn't win. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. How dumb is it of us to believe God for things that we know is so far out beyond where our faith is? We haven't believed God for $10 and we're going to believe Him for 10000 He hadn't beat a lightweight that's been in the fighting industry for a year and he's going to go fight the championship fight? No, that's not how it works. You win by winning the little battles over the refrigerator or over the tie that got a stain over it. You start where you are and you build your faith and you continue to grow and you continue to see the things that the devil is trying to do. And then at one time, you're going to be able to believe God for million-dollar buildings. Or if a cancer attacks your body, you're going to be able to speak to it and say, no, I rebuke you, you go away. Because you've built yourself up and you know how to resist it. Listen to this. This is why we fight. 1 Peter 5, verse 10. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. The Amplified says, After that you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts all blessing and favor, who has called you to his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself complete and make you what you ought to be, establish and ground you securely and strengthen you and settle you. Now listen to me. How many of you have that mustard seed in your Bible? Anybody still have their mustard seed in their Bible? Look, do you see how much faith you need? Don't let the devil sit here and tell you you need a lot of faith to do anything for him. It's not about that. This is a tiny little mustard seed. That's all the faith you need to move a whole mountain. Do you see that? You don't need much faith. It's not about you doing it. That's right. Do you understand that? It's not about... A new born-again believer, the moment that they get saved, they can do anything that any person that's been saved, filled with the Holy Spirit for 40 years can do. It's not about that. It's about you believing it. It's about you getting scriptures. And you know, if you'll just get your Bible out and get you some scriptures and read them and quote them and say them, have you ever done it? What does it do for your faith? It It just builds it up and it strengthens you. And you've got something to undergird you. Why can I rebuke the devil? Because I know that it says, if I give my tithes and I sow that the devourer is rebuked, I've got a foundation behind me. I've got something I can stand on. Because the devil's going to come and say no. But I know I have that to stand on. And that's all you need is something that when the devil comes to you and says, no, you're not going to be healed. All you have to know is maybe one scripture, but you know it inside and out. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. No, devil, get out of here. 
And he's going to come to you a hundred times and say, no, you're not. And you're going to say, no, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. And you're fighting him that way. You're not fighting him with punches like this. You're fighting him with your mouth and you're telling him, get out of here, devil. He may come from behind. You may kick him. But that's what you do. Now, I, I was getting ready this afternoon, and the Lord gave me this illustration, and I think it'll help you a lot, and we'll close with this. We have something called a mosquito. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. We're redeemed from the curse of the law. Noise and pestilence is part of the curse of the law. What if you just sat there and said, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. Mosquitoes don't bother me. I think that mosquito's going to bite your bottom. But what if you go like that? Or you go like that every time? What's going to happen with that mosquito? He's going to come back. And what if you, you do like that again? And what if you carry in on a conversation and there's a mosquito there? What are you going to do? How many thousand times are you going to have to do that? Bunches of times, right? That's the way the devil is. He's quite annoying. And you may have to 500 times fight him back, tell him no, rebuke him, tell him get behind me. By Jesus' stripes I'm healed. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. That's the way you do it. You swat him. With the word. But you get you a scripture. For every one of those things on the right hand side of your page. That's bothering you. Every one of them that's over there. Start with one. Don't try to do all 50 at the same time. Or you're not going to win your fight again. Start with one. One of the smaller ones. Build up to the prize fight. Do you understand? Yeah. Start with a smaller one. Maybe you got a stain on a tie. Maybe you got something that's not working, but you've been tithing. Maybe you got a mold you want to go away. Start with something. Get you some scriptures. Get it in your heart. It may take you six months to get in faith about it. But, buddy, how long have you already had it? Once you get in faith and you release your faith and that thing changes, the devil has lost forever. Even if it's the smallest of things because he knows you learned how to make it work. And he's lost forever. Do you understand that? You don't fight the devil till you know you can win. You got it? Stand up on your feet. Thank you, Lord. The devil does not have to run rampant in our lives anymore. He can't run rampant in our lives if we won't let him. But we have the authority. We have to use the authority that's been given us. We have to use the authority of the name of Jesus. And when you use that authority, he has to go. That's what it says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Can you say amen?
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.